everybody, Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office. It is the day after Christmas, so um, yeah, hopefully you guys are enjoying your uh, Christmas festivities and family and all that. Um, it is snowing sideways out there, and it's cold, um, so yeah, you probably hear the heater running in the background, so uh, yeah gotta have that on or I will be very shaky for this podcast so um thank you everybody been a great year been uh, you know constant growth getting jobs done selling a lot of parts getting stuff out the door um you know just really going to a lot of shows and, and talking to a lot of people and really just getting a lot of stuff done. Um, I wish I had about four more employees because the amount of work that we are backlogged on is just incredible. And I feel bad for, you know, people when I'm saying, you know, 16 months before we can get their job in the door. And, you know, it's just, it's just tough. So anyway, uh, I appreciate everybody that's patient and, you know, we can get through their jobs in a reasonable amount of time. So anyway, it's been a good year and uh, extremely grateful. Couldn't uh, ask for better, better growth. Um, now that Josie's in here doing the online sales, uh, pretty much specifically online sales, um, we've just had a lot more growth there um, just with consistent listing of parts and pieces. And, and it's just really paid off. Um, in the growth. So I'm looking forward to next year and just going even bigger. Um, going to so focus on, uh, social media next year. The YouTube channel is, uh, right on the edge of, of taking off. We've got, you know, 2,500 subscribers and that kind of stuff. So we're, we've laid a good foundation and now we're ready to take it to the next level. So if you enjoy the YouTube, um, please subscribe, uh, like our videos, tell your friends. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends, um, share it, subscribe, whatever. Do all the things that we need you to do. (laughs) I appreciate it very much. And my, my guys do too. Um, because you know, like the old saying goes, a rising tide raises all ships and so, you know, the podcast does better and the socials do better Then I can pay my guys better and we can have a better product and a better business and everything is better for everybody. So, um, I appreciate you guys very much, you know, uh, Patreon donators always, you guys are amazing and I appreciate that very much as well. Cause like I said, you know, these podcasts aren't free. I mean, they're free for you guys, but uh, I have to pay to make them. So, um, you know, having having some Patreon donators, it helps offset the cost of making these. So, yeah, uh, I just appreciate everybody, and, and I'm very grateful. Uh, so we're going to jump right into another tech-heavy cast of... This one's going to be about breaks. I'm going to do my best to try and cover... 
what I can, you know, there's so many, well, I mean, you break it down into two things and there's disc brakes and drum brakes, and then you can add a layer with, you know, manual and power. And then, you know, you get power into vacuum or hydro boost and you go from there. So, um, as far as brake operation goes, the best thing that you can do is start out at the wheel ends and work your way back. Um, I've seen, you know, guys will throw a new master cylinder on and new proportioning block and, and still complain about poor brake operation. And, you know, 95% of the time it's at the wheel ends. So, you know, you guys with the old trucks, um, you know, you're going to be four wheel drum, manual braked. And, uh, I drove on those for years. My red truck had, you know, the original single pot master and, and, uh, and four wheel drum and those skinny front shoes, like 12 by inch and three quarter shoes. And, and, uh, you know, I towed with it and did all kinds of stuff. So you can get by on the original equipment for sure. Uh, just everything has to be perfect. If you're going to go that route, you have to have, you know, uh, good shoes that are, you know, well lined. You got to have drums that aren't worn out, oversized or cracked. You got to make sure that your spring kits work appropriately, that the adjusters are adjusted the way they're supposed to be, you know, um, having some anti-seize or, or lube on the shoe um, wear points of the shoe and the backing plate so that they slide appropriately and, and don't chatter and that kind of thing. So, you know, what I tell people is you know, first thing is to, pull the drum off and just see what you've got in there. And a lot of times they'll have one shoe that's really worn and one shoe that's only about half worn. You know, that's a good, good indicator that it's out of adjustment uh, because, you know, the shoe should be touching at the, about the same time or they'll have a spring that's broken or missing or something. So, Generally, you know, you get in there, you open up those drums, check. Well, a lot of times it's hard to get the drum off because the shoes have opened up enough to where that, you know, they're hanging up on the drum itself. So you got to get yourself a, you can use a flat screwdriver, but they make a special brake spoon kind of thing that you slip in through that slot in the backing plate and you can spin the star wheel hopefully and uh, you retract the shoes with the star wheel and then you can get the drum off and this is on the rear end this is what we're talking about so if you have a two-piece axle shaft like a half ton pickup or travel all pre 67 or a scout 80 or a hundred um, with the two-piece axle which is when you say two-piece axle, you'd say the it's, you know, it's got a hub with that little, I don't know what you call it, dust cap over a big nut. Um, and so what it does is you can separate the hub from the axle shaft. 
because I think in the old days they hadn't figured out the casting process and manufacturing so that they could make a one piece axle that's you know flange and axle shaft all together. I I don't know the the whole story on that, but I just know that in the you know sixty eight. 60 uh, man it depends on the model but generally by 70 you didn't see a two-piece axle anymore in the internationals it was all one piece rear um so a lot of times you're not going to be able to get the drum off on those applications without a hub puller and uh you know if you're in a metropolitan area you can rent those from different uh auto parts places um you know i've even seen and uh this is try at your own risk uh, i have done it and it works but again try at your own risk is if you cannot get that hub to separate from the axle shaft you take that big nut and you loosen it like one turn or two turns and then put the cotter key back in and you drive go drive do figure eights in your driveway or your parking lot or out on the street but something you just turn back and forth and back and forth and then when you bring it back into the garage or you go to work on it and jack it up a lot of times those hubs are loose um, because that's what happens in real life a lot of times guys will they won't tighten that nut enough or something happens and the nut just comes loose enough that the hub can walk around and then the hub starts moving and and then you get other problems and so in a pinch if you don't want to do it correctly with a puller you can do the old drive it just but like i said just loosen that nut up like one or two turns because if it's too loose, then the hub will wobble around and can can hurt the taper of the axle shaft. But anyway, get that drum off. Check out your setup. See you know, how worn your shoes are. You're probably going to need wheel cylinders. Uh, it's crazy how much of, how many times we've opened up stuff that were, you know, it functioned okay, but it wasn't great. And the wheel cylinders are all leaky. You know, and they're leaking just enough that it's not running out the bottom of the backing plate. So you would you wouldn't know you had a problem, but when you open it up and you'll see they're all wet and gunky and maybe one of the cups is stuck and so you know only one brake shoe is moving and so you know it's best to throw new wheel cylinders at it, uh try and get a new spring kit. Most of those are available. Um you can buy them on our website a lot of times. Uh it just depends on, um, you know, what what brake group you had. Uh, so that's the first step is just making sure that stuff works um, like it should and, and you know, the shoes are moving around and, and everything is adjusted where it's supposed to be. So, yeah, new wheel cylinders, new springs, make sure your adjustment's right. That is a, a big one. And then in the same process goes for the fronts, um, you know, you just on the front ends, you can just take the spindle nut off and slide the hub and drum off as an assembly, being careful not to drop that bearing on the ground and not to damage the wheel seal on its way out. Uh, and then same thing, you know, wheel cylinders and springs and, and all that up front. 
the full float guys are a little different on the rear end. You know, you got to pull the axle shaft out, um, and then you got to pull the big um, bearing retaining nuts and and the keeper washers and all that. And then then the drum comes off, and then you can work on all that stuff. And then it's the same in there: wheel cylinders and springs and uh, I recommend if you're going to take that shit apart, take pictures, take lots of pictures of what spring goes where and how the little parking brake cables routed and how everything is hooked together because it's very important that they go back together the correct way. And if you don't have the book, and even the book isn't great at showing you what goes where, but, you know, take some pictures. Um, it, it goes a long ways towards towards finding uh, or putting it back together the right way. And so, um, so yeah, that's, you know, that, that's just super important. And then, you know, disc brakes are way easier. A lot of these disc front ends, like on the Scout 2s and the 74 and 5s, it's not much to them. You know, sometimes the caliper piston will stick uh, and cause for drag or it just doesn't slide like it's supposed to. Um, and you just end up replacing the whole caliper. Um, the Scout ones are still available off the shelf, so it's easy to get. Um, then the other thing is making sure that the bracket that it slides in is clean you know, take a wire brush and really make sure that it's the sliding slide path is clean and smooth. And then a little bit of silver anti-seize on that sliding wearable surface is, is also super important so that caliper can move because it squeezes, you know, it's not, it doesn't squeeze on both sides. The piston pushes on one side and then it pulls the other side into it so it's not like a i don't know it's not like a pair of pliers that squeezes from both sides it's like a, a c-clamp where it, all the force is on one side but it pulls the other side into it so it's really important that it uh, can slide appropriately um, and then again good shoes or pads i guess disc brakes they're called pads so um just making sure that's good making sure your rotor is not too thin that's another thing checking the clearance on that it's pretty obvious when the rotors are worn out uh you know one side will be real thin and the other side will be kind of fat so you um you know replace the rotors accordingly on the three quarter ton 74 and five the eight lug stuff the rotors aren't available anymore. Um, there's some guys selling um, spacers to run Dodge rotors, and uh, that seems to work with okay results, I guess. I haven't had to do it here, but um, I see on Facebook and stuff guys are talking about it, and it seems to be an okay, okay thing. So then from there, you move up the brake system to the hoses and lines. And if you've got really old brake hoses, a lot of times that they are deteriorating from the inside out. And they don't allow the 
fluid to move through at the the best rate that it could and i've even seen them swell up and then restrict the flow of fluid back because the you know fluid moves both ways so uh you know it'll the fluid will push through and it'll swell up and then it's slow to let the fluid come back and it creates a drag and poor economy and it, you know the truck will pull to one side or do something weird like that so you know if your brake hoses are cracked if they you know have got some damage exhaust pipe melted them or something it's really best to just put on some fresh hoses um the rears are pretty easy they're usually a real generic you know hard line screws into one end and then the other end screws into a block or something like that so uh what i found and you might want to write this down is that on the systems that use um quarter brake lines the flexible lines are usually like 7 sixteenths 24 on the female end but the threaded male end of the flexible lines are like 7 sixteenths 20. so normally when a brake hose screws right into a wheel cylinder which is super common on the front ends of closed knuckle trucks or the you know two-wheel drive i-beam trucks the hose will screw right into the wheel cylinder and it's almost always 7 sixteenths 20 thread and then it'll have either the tapered seat or a copper washer to seal it so um you know it, it's real easy to mistake and mistake it for 7 sixteenths 24 when you're you know in the heat of doing something and and you know you're at the parts store and you're trying to figure it out so that's a little thing that I've learned over the years. Um, but yeah, the rear lines are kind of, is pretty easy to get a lot of different generic lengths and, and dimensions across the different manufacturers makes it easy to get. The front hoses are a different story. They usually require, you know, scouring through the parts books to find the right ones. Uh, you guys that are fans of rock auto, I'm sure you've heard the uh, horror stories of, you know, ordering parts and it's, you know, three or four tries before you get the right one. Um, because when your truck is 50, 60 years old and you haven't owned it its whole life, you don't know what has happened to some of those systems. And these old farmers, they'll just put on whatever was on there, whatever they can get and, and it's not usually the right one. And then you try to replace it, but you don't know what the right one is. And so, you know, it's just, it can be a real headache trying to find the right hoses. So it's just important to, you know, know what your threads are and what your lengths are. And if you've got a good part store where you can actually look at a book and, and, measure do do it by dimension then that goes a long ways i've got some old napa brake books here that we use and have been invaluable in finding correct hoses based on dimension and not by application
So, uh, but yeah, you guys really look into replacing the hoses if they're dry rotted and cracked or smashed and, um, especially on the scouts, if you're wheeling it and you know, you're running, uh, you know, shackle lift or something, but you still have stock brake hoses, you're probably stretching them to the limit, uh, which is really bad on all that stuff. So I'd recommend, you know, any, anything that's got a lift, uh, to get some longer hoses just to help alleviate any stress there. Because um, the last thing you want to do is have a hose pop off of a fitting and then dump everything out. So uh, the early trucks and early scouts did not have proportioning blocks. They just had T's. So when you stepped on the brakes, all four wheels worked at the same time. So you get a lot of, when everything is set up correctly, you would get a lot of rear end lockup, a lot of skidding, things like that. And yes, you can lock up four wheel drums. Uh, it's very possible uh, when they're set up correctly. We still have the stock drums on Palmolive, um, Josie's 67800, and it's got a new master cylinder and new everything, wheel cylinder, shoes, springs, all that. And... Uh, we can we can lock them up pretty easy um, on her scout, so it is possible. So um, it wasn't until probably the early well on, uh, on cars and other makes. I think they were doing it sooner, but it, international was a little bit slow to take up other technology. So about seventy sixty nine, they started um, setting up these proportioning blocks where the rears would get like 30% of the brake and the fronts would get 70%. And that way you wouldn't have the rear end skid and, and they would stop, um, a little more, a little better, I guess you'd say. <clears throat> and that's even more so with the disc brake setups where the, the disc brake does a lot of the stopping um, but what's funny about the disc drum setups is that the drums come on first and then the discs come on, but they come on stronger. Like, I don't know how to describe it other than, yeah, it's just the drums come on first and then the discs come in, but the discs grab with more force. And so, uh, we get a lot of Scout 2s come in here where the the drums aren't adjusted right, and the pedal will will just whiff right through the the drum section and go right to the disc section, and it still will slow down. Okay, but you can feel it in the pedal, like it's you know something's just missing, and it's really pretty amazing how well a stock scout will stop with the drums working like they should and the disc set up right they actually stop really well and it's just you know old worn out parts that people start to get in their head that they don't work as well everyone wants to do four wheel discs and you know it, we can do them it's just uh you know it it's almost not necessary sometimes uh because they don't know what good drums feel like uh so they just assume that they need disc brakes so um, 
so anyway, with the proportioning block set up, uh, it came on in the 70s and and really helped a lot with brake systems and brake control. Um, so I've seen those where the little flipper inside the proportioning block will stick one way or the other, and then you only get half your brake system. So they make tools to reset those, but a lot of times I just recommend you just replace them. The You can buy them from Summit and various other places, and they're like 40 bucks. You know, it's not outrageous. Uh, and then finally, you get up into the master cylinder, and, um, you know, the drum master cylinders have equal-sized ports or equal-sized pots, I guess. They, you know hold the same amount of fluid for front and rear. Uh, it's not until you get into the drum or the disc stuff where you get um, a larger reservoir for the disc and a, and a small one for the drum. Because the drums don't move a lot of fluid. They, you know, the bore of the master cylinder is, is you know, one inch and the bore of the wheel cylinder is one inch. So when you move the brake pedal, and it moves whatever distance it travels. It's not that much fluid. It's equal fluid movement. But you have a one-inch bore master cylinder and a two and three-eighths diameter piston in the caliper. Now, all of a sudden, it takes a lot more fluid to get that caliper to squeeze because of the bigger area of that piston. So it, it just uses more fluid. So... You know, they, they have different size reservoirs for that reason. Uh, and then the aftermarket stuff, like the four-wheel disc kits, they just have a reservoir that's huge all the way around to, because, you know, you're doing it however, you know, if you disc-disc or drum-disc or whatever, they just assume the worst and make two large reservoirs for both um, and let the proportioning block do the work. So you can use a you know, a disc disc master cylinder on a drum disc setup. If you have the proportioning block, that's for a, you know, drum disc setup. Um, the thing that's important is to make sure that your, um, piston bores, your, your master cylinder bore is, is similar to your wheel cylinders. And, and then, uh, you know, you don't want to run an inch and an eighth wheel cylinder off a one inch, master cylinder because you're going to end up with a it's going to take a lot of leg pressure to make that thing move that wheel cylinder and that's where like power brakes come from um, you know the vacuum brake systems that came on in the in the 60s and 70s they they go a long ways into helping move that move that fluid uh with less pedal pressure um you know i've got the our um, power brake kit set up on my 64 and, uh, man, it's just night and day how much better that thing works, you know, just less pedal effort, but yet, you know, just stops, stops amazing. Um, we've done several of those conversions. Everyone that's bought one from us raves about how well their truck stops, you know, four wheel drums and just, it stops like a new car. So, um, adding power really goes a long ways to these, these systems. Uh, so I'd recommend it, you know, if everything else is good and, 
you've done the wheel cylinders and you've done shoes and you've done springs and everything's lubed up and it's working, you know, as best as it possibly can. And you just don't like how hard you have to press the pedal. Um, you know, a power update would probably be the next step. I would recommend even before disc brakes, um, just because I think having more power at the master cylinder forces those drums to work better. Um, if you, if you really have to have it, um, I had four wheel discs on my 63 scout, uh, with a manual master cylinder, no, no power. Um, but I had the pedal leverage ratio set up correctly and, and everything was tuned. The master cylinder bore was correct. So the pistons and, and I could lock up 37s with a manual master cylinder, but it took a lot of head scratching and math and everything to get the, the stuff to work correctly. So there's, you know, now you're getting into race car brake stuff where you're, you know, pedal leverage ratio and, and fluid movement math. And it really, um, can get complicated. So I, I'm not going to go too far into all of that, but, uh, yeah. Um, just, having a good functioning system, you know, having the correct bore master cylinder matched to the wheel cylinders, having, you know, good hoses and, um, having everything, you know, proportioning block doing its job and, and having the wheel cylinders, you know, new and not leaky and having the drums adjusted correctly. Uh, when I dress a drum, adjust the drums, normally I'll, I'll have it off the ground and I will spin the wheel and I will click that star wheel till I just start to hear the shoe start to shoosh on the drum. You know, you'll hear a shoo, shoo, shoo as it goes around because most of the drums aren't a hundred percent round and uh, I adjust it to there, take it out on a test drive, put a couple five, 10 miles on it, bring it back jack it up and do it again and see if it needs any more adjustments. Um, I know these modern setups are self-adjusting, you know, you back up and step on the brakes. It'll, it'll cause that star wheel to turn. But a lot of times it just, they don't adjust right and you have to do it by hand. Um, so keep that in mind also with your uh, brake drum adjustments. But, um, yeah, uh, I think that covers a lot of it. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure I missed something, but uh, yeah, it's just I know some of it's kind of no duh type stuff. Or yeah, of course, new wheel cylinders and new parts are gonna work better. But a lot of it is adjustment too. I mean, we've taken old trucks that have been in fields, and you know, we just bring them in, jack them up, adjust the wheel cylinder, adjust the star wheels and put fresh fluid in them, bleed them and get them out there and, and away you go. Uh, so yeah, I guess I'll touch on that real fast bleeding. I know this is a long, a long one, uh, bleeding your systems. It's really important that you get all the air out of there. Um, when you're doing all this replacement stuff. So, um, you know, we always start with the farthest wheel away from the master cylinder. So it would be the, you know, right rear passenger rear wheel cylinder. Uh, I worked by myself for so long. I had to figure out how to bleed brakes without help. So 
I have figured out that if you take a piece of vinyl tube, slip it over the bleeder, run it up a foot or so over the leaf spring or over shock mount or whatever, and then loop it down and into a catch bottle, what happens is when you press the brake pedal and it starts to fill that wheel cylinder with fluid and it pushes the air out, the air goes up the tube. And then when you let off the pedal, retract the pedal, and the fluid sucks back into the master cylinder or into the wheel cylinder, the air is still rising up the tube. So it's like having a, you know, a snorkel or whatever, where the air just goes up and then the fluid comes back in. And then you press the pedal again, more air comes out, goes up the tube. But then when it retracts, the fluid goes in and the air keeps rising. So you can do brake bleeds by yourself with that. And it does, it does waste some fluid, um, you know, cause it ends up going in the catch bottle and then you can't do anything with it. But, uh, you know, if you're bleeding by yourself, that's, uh, that's a good way to do it. Uh, and you know, a lot of guys will use the vacuum bleeders or other fancy things. And I don't know, I've just found that the vinyl tube, it might take a little longer, but it's definitely, um, gets it, gets it moved around fairly well. So anyway, hopefully that little tip helps you, but, um, we are running long, so I'm going to end this now. Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you, uh, enjoyed it. Hopefully I answered some questions for you. So, uh, if you like what we're doing, you can donate on Patreon and everywhere else. So, uh, hope you had a great holiday until next time. I am Dan for Binder Boneyard. Thank you.